So last week, uh, we were talking about the betrayal of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when one of his former disciples, Judas, came to him with a detachment of troops in the middle of the night and came and they arrested him in the garden. We looked at how Jesus responded to that situation, how instead of running and hiding, Jesus stood, he stayed and he faced his captors, and how Instead of backing away and shying away and trying to hide, he stepped forward and actually declared who he was. And how he stood in the gap and said, if you seek me, release these men. Talking about his disciples, letting them go free. And then finally, after Peter had cut Malchus's, the servant of the high priest's ear off, we saw that Jesus told him to put his sword away, that he was prepared to drink the cup that his father had given him. And we saw how that cup was the wrath of God against sin and how because Jesus had drank that cup, we get to drink his eternal life. So this week we're still in our series that we've been in. This is week 10 of our series called Follow Me. Again, we're looking at the life, the teachings, the miracles of Jesus through the eyes of the disciples. We're looking at it specifically through the Apostle Peter. And today is going to be a very significant story and event in the life of Christ and in the life of Peter. What we're going to get into today as I was preparing this message, I don't like to to get into things that are what I feel like are bad news, you know, because I'm all about the gospel and that's good news. But let's be real honest, there's just parts of the scripture that are bad. They're not, it's not fun to to teach or or to preach or to explain. So as I was going into this, I'm like, this is a pivotal, what we're going to be in today, this is a pivotal part of scripture. We we need to understand this. We need to know this. But I don't want to just get into this and and leave everybody feeling hopeless. Because it seems that way as we we read the scripture today. It's going to feel really hopeless. We're going to see Peter in perhaps his worst and darkest moment here on earth. The lowest point of his life. But what I also want us to realize is that even in that worst moment, that lowest point, there's still hope to be found. That's what we're going to see today as we look at uh, Peter's denial of Jesus. I've titled this message, I Am Not. Again, just to give us some background about what's happened, they arrested Jesus last week. We've been in John chapter 18 recently. We're still going to be in John 18 today. They arrested Jesus. Remember, he went willingly. He asked them, whom do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. So he let them take him. They lead him to the house of a man named Annas. Now, Annas is an important figure here, especially in the Gospel of John. To give you a little background on who this man is, Annas is a former high priest in Israel. He's also the father-in-law of a man named Caiaphas. And Caiaphas is currently the high priest at the time. So while Annas isn't necessarily the high priest over Israel right now, he has been before. He has no legal authority at this moment, but you could kind of think of him almost like a, uh, a godfather kind of type figure or a former president 
or someone like that. There's still a lot of societal respect and, and influence in his position. So they're going to take him to Annas' house, and they're going to lead Jesus to what we're going to see is really a, just a preliminary hearing. What they're trying to do in so many words is they're either trying to intimidate Jesus or to trap him in his words, which we've seen that all throughout Scripture, or they're trying to trick him into saying something or admitting something. The entire thing is a sham. There's really no other way to say it. Everything that we're going to read about today in these, these trials of Jesus, the hearings of Jesus, I want you to understand every bit of this was completely illegal by Jewish law. Every bit of this. Jesus is the one on trial, yet every bit of this trial is illegal. Number one, trial by night, illegal. Number two, striking the accused during a trial, illegal. Number three, pronouncing death the same day, illegal. Number four, let's even go beyond Israel and Jewish law. Rome, whenever Rome took control, they outlawed capital punishment in their territories. So the Jews didn't even have the authority to, to pronounce the death penalty. They couldn't even enforce it. Every bit of this was a sham. None of this should have happened. And yet Jesus is the one on trial, and he's the only innocent man there. So let's begin reading in John 18. I'm going to read verses 15 through 18 first. Take a quick break and then read verses 25 through 27. And I'll explain why we take the break here in a minute. So John 18, beginning in verse 15. It says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, Annas, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl said at the door to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now, the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. So we've seen Peter deny Jesus once right here. Now, the reason I'm going to skip this 19 through 24 section is that's whenever Jesus goes before Annas. And I'm going to drop down to the second and third denials recorded in the book of John. Real quick, in verse 25. So if you skip a few verses in your scripture... Pick up in verse 25. So after Jesus has gone before Annas, and then Annas sends him over to Caiaphas. It says, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. Remember, it's a cold night. John just said that. He's standing and warming himself. So they said to him, the people around the fire, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. 
and the rooster crowed. So as we consider this passage, as we look at this, uh, again, I want us to put ourselves in Peter's shoes real quick. And imagine that you are the Apostle Peter, okay? Jesus has just been arrested, right? They've bound him and they're leading him to the house of Annas, who's been the high priest. John referred to him as the high priest, kind of a title of respect, how we would do like a former president. You know, we'd say President Bush, President so-and-so. It's not to be confused with Caiaphas because there at the bottom of our first passage we saw Annas sent him to Caiaphas. So he was not at Caiaphas's house at first. Now, again, imagine you're the apostle Peter following Jesus, right? What happened whenever they arrested Jesus and led him away? Everyone else scattered. So Judas is leading the captors. So Judas is there arresting Jesus with the captors. You and one other disciple stay and follow. Now we're going to assume that the one other disciple is none other than John himself, the author of this gospel. We could get into the reasons why, but just trust me on that. I think it's safe to say it was John himself. Only you and John are following Jesus through town as they lead him to Annas' house. Everybody else has scattered just like Jesus predicted. We read that last week. Jesus said, when the shepherd is struck down, the skeep will shatter, or scatter. And they all did. Everybody left. Remember, Jesus predicted that you would deny him before the sunrise. Everybody else is scattered and gone, but you and John are still there following Jesus. Probably have no idea, scared about what's going on. Again, the people who arrested him could have been dozens or hundreds of people, based on the term used. They lead him to Annas' home, right? This nice stately home. And as everybody goes in, you see John go in through the gate, the, the doorway, the gate. He goes into the house, but you don't know Annas. You're not known by him, so you stay outside as John follows in with everybody. You might have even motioned to John, like, help me out. Help. Get me in there. But the reason John gets to go in is, as he said in the gospel, he was known to the high priest. Now, that term in the book of Luke can mean a friendship. So we don't know the extent of the relationship between that disciple and Annas. We don't know how well they knew each other. Could have been a relation, could have been a family thing, could have been an in-law. Who knows? But it was enough to get him in the house. And then you're waiting outside as everybody's gone inside the courtyard, outside the gate. And then a few minutes later, John comes back with this servant girl who allows you to come into the home. So you go through, you go in with everyone else, and everybody goes further into the inner courtyard, and you see that the servants have made a fire and are kind of warming themselves. And you go over and stand to that fire, kind of trying to blend in, right? And what does the servant girl say to you as you're going through the door, coming in? The servant girl looks at you and says, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And your response, I am not. I want to note two things about this discussion right here. A couple of things. The first thing I see whenever she asks this question, you also are not one of his disciples. That word also is important because what does that mean, also? There's someone else. 
The word also is in the original Greek. It's the word chi. It means and also in addition. She says you also. So this servant girl probably knew that John was a follower of Jesus. And she asks Peter. Again, she's not condemning Peter to death. She's simply asking, probably a little bit perturbed at the whole thing. But you're not also one of his disciples, are you? And look how Peter responds. I am not. Now why why would Peter do this? I really have to wonder because, again, this is a servant girl. She has no power over Peter. She has no authority over him. It could probably be assumed that she knows John is a disciple and he's there and everybody seems to know it and it's okay. So why does Peter deny this? This is a man who just a little while ago just across town, cut a man's ear off when they came to arrest Jesus. And now when a little servant girl asks him who he belongs to, he says he doesn't know Jesus. Ready to face down an entire detachment of troops, but scared at the question of a servant girl. We don't exactly know what's going through Peter's mind in this, but also too, When he denies that he knows Jesus. Look at those words there. He says, I am not. If we remember last week, right? When Jesus stepped forward in the garden, he came forward and he asked his captors, who do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Jesus say? I am he. Literally, I am. Those words there, again, I hate to make this sound like a Greek lesson, but it's very important, I think. He said in Greek, ego eimi, I am. It's a declaration that he is God. It's the same name that God told Moses when he sent him to Pharaoh. Who shall I say has sent me? I am. But whenever Peter, so whenever Jesus is asked about his identity, who he is, Jesus says, I am. When Peter is asked about his identity in Jesus Peter says, uk a me, I am not. And I think there's no coincidence that this language is in here together. Throughout John's gospel, uh, there's nothing in the Bible, number one, that's a coincidence. But throughout John's gospel, there's such a way he structures things and does all these parallels. When you study it, you, you begin to see these things. And what I think John is doing here is showing us the difference between the new man, Christ Jesus, the second Adam, and the old man, who's in the first Adam, Peter, the old man. The difference is in Jesus, the new man, I am, and Peter, who's in Adam, like all of us are born into, I am not. Jesus is the great I am, we are the I am not. And we see this whenever Peter continues to deny him. He says, I am not again. I think John is highlighting for us the difference between Jesus and the rest of us. It's very important for us to understand the difference between Christ and us. And so they lead Jesus on. John then shifts the narrative. As you're reading your scriptures, we go through this. Peter does his first denial. And then John suddenly shifts the story. Starts talking about Jesus before Annas, okay? So Jesus is led to Annas for questioning. 
Again, let me remind you, every bit of this is illegal. It's wrong. It shouldn't even be happening right now. And how wrong is this? How plotted is this? The entire Sanhedrin is waiting at Caiaphas' house in the middle of the night. They're all in this together. It's a conspiracy. Jesus' fate has already been decided by them, humanly speaking. Every bit of this is wrong. They don't care what he has to say. They want to kill him. Whatever he says, they're going to find a way to kill him. That's what they're there for. So Jesus testifies when they question. Jesus says, I I taught openly. You can ask anybody what I have said. I didn't say anything in secret. I said everything in the open in front of everybody. Why don't you ask anyone who's heard me what I testified about? And they didn't like this answer. In fact, one of the officers comes up and strikes Jesus, says, how dare you talk to the high priest that way? And he strikes Jesus, who is the true high priest. Jesus is the true high priest. And this officer struck him simply because he didn't like the answer. Jesus didn't say anything wrong. He said, if what I said was right, why do you strike me? So they don't get what they want out of Jesus. So Annas, again, probably getting frustrated that they couldn't trap him or trick him, sends him over to Caiaphas, who's the actual high priest at this time. So then he goes before Caiaphas. He's getting all these questions. This whole thing is even worse than the first one. They bring in people to testify, but the testimonies don't even match up. Everybody's getting frustrated. So finally, all these things are brought against him, and Caiaphas finally tells Jesus, Do you answer nothing? And Jesus kept silent. That's an important part of scripture we'll get into another time. But Jesus kept silent, didn't say anything. And then finally, Caiaphas said, tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And Jesus responds, it is as you said. And at this, Caiaphas goes, I mean, he is enraged. He rips his clothes, tears, and yells, blasphemy! What do you say? And all the Sanhedrin condemned him to death right then. They got what they wanted. They wanted to hear him confess to being Messiah. They put Jesus to death for claiming to be Messiah, for claiming to be God. To them, that was blasphemy. Jesus was not killed for any other reason by the Jews than he claimed to be God because that's who he is. They didn't put him to death because he was a nice teacher, performed miracles. They put him to death because he claimed to be God. Because he is God. And once they had that, they shouted blasphemy and condemned him to die. Now while all this is going on, all of this, John then takes us back to Peter. You notice that when you read your scripture, it talks about Peter denying Jesus. Then John mentions Jesus before Annas and mentions that he gets sent to Caiaphas. You have to go read Matthew, Mark, and Luke to put all of this together. And then he goes to the second and third denials. And that's where we're focusing uh, today. Now, again, John didn't record the portion between Caiaphas. You can read it in the other Gospels. But in the second and third denials... Back out in the courtyard, Peter is again accused of being a follower of Jesus. 
They said, he, he is one of them. And so they, uh, one of the girls, one of the servants accuses him, could have been the same one, says, he, he is one of them. And they ask, they said, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? And how does Peter respond? I am not. Second time. Jesus said, you'll deny me three times. But they keep pressing him further, and they say, he is one of them. And when you read the other Gospels, they say, you're a Galilean because your accent betrays you. It'd be kind of like if we had someone from Boston come down here and talk. We would instantly know, hey, you're not from around these parts. That's what they said to him. They said, your accent betrays you. You're a Galilean. It's from a different region. And then one of them, actually, this is the funniest part to me, is one of them who's a relative of Malchus, so probably his cousin, said that, didn't I see you in the garden? You're the guy who cut my cousin's ear off. It's kind of hard to forget that fella, right? If you saw your cousin get their ear cut off in a garden just about, you know, a couple of hours ago, you'd probably remember the face. And then the Gospels tell us that Peter took an oath. He swore by God and, and cursed. And his response, I am not, I don't know the man you speak of. I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 no. He denied Jesus every different way you can. No. Three different times. He denied Jesus, and not just a simple, no, 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 you got the wrong guy. These were almost violent denials against Jesus. And in the book of Luke, we see this last denial. When he says, man, I don't know what you're talking about in his final denial. I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, he hears the rooster crow. And look at these next words from the book of Luke. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Can you imagine if you were there among those people, denying Jesus, swearing by God, even cursing, telling everybody, no, I don't know what you're talking, you're just going off on him, and in your final, I don't know him, you hear the rooster crow, and then in that moment, you and Jesus lock eyes. As he is being condemned, standing, declaring the absolute truth of who he is, there you are, a coward denying you even know him. And Luke tells us that it's in that moment that Peter remembered the prediction, right? Jesus has told him two or three times he was going to do this. And in that moment, brought back and remember that Jesus said you would do this thing. And Luke says that Peter ran out and wept bitterly. What a horrendous moment in Peter's life. This is the man that you said you would never betray. You said, though everybody else runs away, I will never forsake you. I will 
die for you. And yet in less than a few hours, you deny you even know what these people are talking about when it comes to Jesus. How could God have anything to do with such a coward? And that would be a horrendous and terrible story if that were the end of this story. It's bitter right then, I promise you. I, can't, I don't even want to know what was going through Peter's mind. How terrible he felt. He had betrayed his Lord. But this is far from the end of Peter's story. I'm not going to skip too far ahead, but we know that he was indeed restored by the very person that he betrayed. That it's Jesus himself who calls Peter back into his mission and restores him. Why? We need to understand this. All of Peter's failures, every single sin and failure was nailed to the cross, including this one. That's Peter's hope, but that's also our hope. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever denied Jesus? Have you ever forgotten him? Have you ever been ashamed of him? Have you ever hid him from others? We've all done it at times. I'll admit I have done it before. But the good news and the assurance we have is not that we are able to hold ourselves, but that he holds us to himself. You see, where we stumble in faith, Christ stands tall. When we stumble, he stoops down to pick us up. And when we falter in faith, he is faithful, rescuing us from ourselves, calling us into him, calling us to follow him, picking us back up, redeeming us. Because we do fail him. And it doesn't make the pain or the bitterness any less when that happens, but our assurance is this, is that when we are faithless, less faith, that Christ is faithful and he keeps his promises that he has given to you that those who trust in him shall be where he is with him. Believe it, because he said it. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you, God. We thank you that though we have times of, of failing you, of faltering, of not being who we should be in you, of not declaring your name the way we should. That you don't cast us aside because of those things. For God, we know that every one of our sins has been nailed to the cross of Christ. And you are there to rescue us from our failings and from our sin. You have rescued us. You died to those sins so that in you we are dead to those sins. May we live as those who are dead to sin, having nothing to do with such things, having nothing to do with such cowardice. 
but trusting in you to uphold us, to strengthen us, and to pick us up every time we fall. Thank you, Lord, that it's not dependent on us, but upon you and your goodness. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus. Amen.